Welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey and this is Inside Exec. Now, normally, those of you who are regular listeners would know that that's not the standard introduction because I haven't mentioned Fuliana. And once again, for those of you who haven't heard, Fuliana's daughter passed away very suddenly and we have agreed that this time is far more important for her to spend with her family and to transition from the shock and the devastation that has occurred in her life over this short period of time. We do have with us, replacing Fuliana for the next few videos and, and audios that we do, Jamie Wadley. Many of you will know Jamie from his previous guest appearances with Inside Exec. He's here today and we're going to talk to Anissa Dad. Now, welcome, Anise. Thank you for joining us. Anise is in Singapore this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Let me first of all introduce to you Anise. Anise is an executive coach and author of a very interestingly titled book, The Eagle That Drank Hummingbird Nectar. And I'm sure we will hear about that. He's worked with leaders from major companies like Citibank, Deloitte, HSBC, McKinsey, MasterCard and Visa, helping them with transformational leadership, mindful leadership and creating high performance cultures. And those are the things that we're going to talk about today, particularly about the mindful leadership in the era of artificial intelligence. And as you would remember, Jamie spoke to us about artificial intelligence last year, I think, at some point. And so that will be a good melding of information for us to have a chat about. I want to ask, first of all, in terms of organisations and organisational change, are we looking at going back more than just the change environment and looking at core values and communicating core values before we start talking about change? Wow, that's a great question. I love when I don't have an immediate answer. <laughs> <laughs> the background to it is that we have talked a lot on the podcast about communicating core values, yeah. and it seems to be an area that is not particularly well addressed. And I guess in, in the gap that we've had where people have started to work remotely and have started to look at organisations in a different light and to look at their own work-life balance in a different light, do we need to look at changing the core values before we look at organisational change? And then yeah. how do we communicate them? I, I really love your question. And there are many times when I'm doing a, a C-suite retreat, uh, working with top leaders, we'll go through some very vulnerable periods in the in the workshop yep. and people come out and I hear the same thing from very different cultures, different countries, different companies, different people. And they'll say, it feels like we're so much more human. And my reaction to your question is kind of like, maybe, maybe we're going through a period of reconnecting with our humanity mm -hmm. as opposed to our roles and functions. Part of that I see has a very, tangible aspect in that the world is getting so much more complex that we can't just run it in a mechanized way of a hierarchical decision-making and functions and all that in silos, which worked really, really well during the prior periods, but things are so complex now. COVID threw that completely out when, yeah. when that happened. And it feels like we're just coming back to a point of just being more human. We, so the level of ownership now where you could in the past just function in your area and now you have function in your area and also have a view across the whole organization and have a point of view across things, it's become so complex that the only thing that works is just being 
more humans. I mean, is is that kind of what you're referring uh, to? Well, I think uh, it is. And what it then triggers for me is why are, are we seeing that now when there was the opportunity for us to be more human when we were in the room with people? Yeah. And now that we're working more, a little bit more remotely, a lot, some people working a lot more remotely, why is the human connection floating ah. to the surface? Yeah, wow, that's another interesting angle on it. Trust, the need for trust goes up tremendously when people aren't in the same room together. Yes. So that requires getting into, do I trust their intent? Do I, do I trust the purpose that they have? They're, yeah, so hard to do that when you're not in the same room. If we look at before 2020, did you see organizations thinking about looking at remote work for some of their workforce? Oh, yeah, that's been, I've been in the tech industry. I ran a tech company in France for a long time. And you've always had some form of remote work going on, whether that was working at home or working while you're traveling somewhere. That whole area just became a lot more systematic after COVID. And yet now we're we're going through a phase where there's objection to it and there's a pulling back. Is that that the lack of trust, do you think, or ownership or? Oh, and in some cases, definitely a lack of trust. You can see that people going, uh, I really want my people back in the room. There's another angle that sometimes some of the leaders that I know might not feel as inspirational in a little Zoom box as they do in the room. (laughs) So those things are definitely there. But I think there's also a a realization that there's some kind of work that's just best done together. Yeah, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a fixed answer to that. No. In terms of that team performance then, if we look at that one first, because that's been an area that we've talked about a lot over the years, but we still get questions about it. We still get case studies about it, particularly where you're looking at creative people in a high performance area. They might have been used to working partially remotely and then everyone was working remotely and they didn't feel as special perhaps, as they used to be because they had this this thing that nobody else had where they could work remotely. What's the area of most concern for leaders in that high-performance remote work environment? What have I noticed on that? It's brought out all the difficult, all the messiness of leadership that could be kind of uh, swept aside in the past. And now it's just really focused leadership on human areas. Mm-hmm. I think it's becoming clearer with a lot of the people that I work with that the problems in the company, the problems, the dysfunctions in the team are very much created by the team leader, the CEO. So I think that that becomes clearer now than in the past. You can't hide from that anymore. So if things are dysfunctional, blaming the team for the dysfunctions maybe used to work in the past. Now it just becomes really hard to do that. So, so is that humanising you're talking about of how people interact now, a byproduct of the, the obvious structures that are in place when we're in the ivory tower or around the water cooler have, have essentially been digitised and now we have to go person to person to get that same sort of dynamic if there is one at all there I, th- you know, I, I can just see that the structure that was in place as the pyramid before had been flattened out to a very high degree 
and we're all on the same team. And, you know, there's no red border around my box. If I'm the CEO, it's the same colour as everyone else and they can't see my office window and what a great view I've got. So that person-to-person thing maybe is uh, is the, the byproduct of that, how to maintain relationships with your people to get the most out of them. I think that's a beautiful way of putting it. The value of the leader co- really comes out in that case. The, you, you can't hide behind a role or a corner office. No. Or, yeah, I think that's become really a big difference. Does that then flow through to because the other area that we have a lot of questions about is customer or client relations. Are we seeing that because we're more humanising the work environment, is that flowing through? to the, the customers and clients, whether they're internal or external? Again, I, my answers are going to be based on the little lens that I have of the people that I've been yes. working with yes. the last few years. Absolutely. Um, there's certainly a much greater desire to align to the needs of the customer and take into account developing empathy for the customer and knowing who they are. There's definitely a bigger focus on that. And again, I think it comes from that complexity. It feels like large companies are forced to become a lot more entrepreneurial and think in a much smaller way as well as their scale. That would definitely go in the direction of being closer to the customer. We have had guests in the the past little while that have talked about being the entrepreneur in a corporate environment and being an entrepreneurial leader in a corporate environment. How can we encourage that to be happening in terms of bringing people along the path so that they're ready to take on that entrepreneurial role within an organisation as a, as a leader when they might just be a team member at the moment? Yeah. And they might never have thought of being a leader because they didn't want to have the corner office. They didn't want to be that, that person that had to yeah. wear the suit every day. Yeah, um, I think that's the really big challenge now going forward. Relying on your role, your function, your position just isn't cutting it anymore. So it's difficult. It's a it's a it's a difficult process. Is it? See that being a scary thing for some uh, some high level people. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's very scary for some people. Why did you call it the eagle that drank the hummingbird nectar? Oh right, I had two dreams that bookended that period of transformation in my life. So I use those dreams, uh, This the protagonist of my book, around 20, 30% of the book is really me. The rest of it is all fiction. So he has those same two dreams, but they're in a, a more, uh, in a shorter period of time. Mine was like over a 10-year period. The first dream was an eagle rotting under a pile of leaves. It was this uh, majestic bird had given up. And so I was going through a lot of pain, difficulties, a divorce, and the company was having trouble back then, still trying to build it up to sell yeah. and all that. And then at the end of that, I had a dream. The same eagle was perched on a porch, an, an outdoor balcony, and it was drinking hummingbird nectar. And there was this sense of aliveness and all that. So it was really weird, but it was the same eagle, I, I could tell. So it's like finding sustenance in these the hummingbirds around us. They're, yes, so the busyness around us, tiny yeah. things around us. Joyful. So the eagle represents provider, a leader, but it's very somber, kind of uh, very yeah. rigid thinking. Yeah. Uh, hummingbird is joyfulness. So it's kind of merging yeah. those two energies together. Yeah. 
It makes perfect Thank sense you. now you put it in that context, I must admit. <laughs> perfect sense. As soon as you said it, I went bang. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I knew what I knew what you were going through straight away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, learning to so great title. learning to bring those two energies together. Yeah. It's very interesting. I like that. <laughs> where we will take a break in part one of our discussion with Anise Haddad. Next time we are going to explore a little bit further about the ideas of leadership in an age of increasing AI usage. But for now, I'm Kim Bailey. I've been joined by Jamie Wadley in the absence of Fuliana Osborne. We've been talking with Anise Haddad and this is Inside Exec.